Well, despite my 9 to 5's best efforts, I still managed to see strays using my Forbidden Bloodline technique. Shave years off my lifespan for temporary energy. That's disturbing. Yeah, no, I can only use it in the most dire of circumstances, like, oh, there's a Will Ferrell, Jamie Foxx talking dog R-rated comedy coming out. A Will Ferrell Truly important. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the direst of circumstances. That's Super Saiyan Blue Kaioken bullshit right there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to Under the Bridge, everybody. Welcome to Under the Bridge. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I am Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And it's been a week of stuff. I have two movies to talk about. One probably more than the other. Mm-hmm. We got we got a little bit of game news. We got some movie news. We got some movies aren't happening because strike news. <laughs> also some sad news, but we'll get to that. All right. Yeah. First, we're gonna we're gonna start with the Nintendo news. Mm-hmm. Which is that after many 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 years, thirty over thirty. Yeah. Wow. I think it's over thirty. Yeah, 1991. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Charles Martinet is apparently no longer going to be recording voices as Mario for the games. Uh, Nintendo of America put out this statement. Charles Martinet has been the original voice of Mario and Nintendo games for a long time, as far back as Super Mario 64. Charles is now moving into the brand new role of Mario Ambassador. With this transition, he'll be stepping back from recording character voices for our games but he'll continue to travel the world sharing the joy of Mario and interacting with you all. It has been an honor working with Charles to help bring Mario to life for so many years, and we want to thank and celebrate him. Please keep an eye out for a special video message from Shigeru Miyamoto and Charles himself, which we will post at a future date. Okay. So that's interesting. It is interesting. Also, it was inevitable. Oh, of course, because time happens. Unless they want to just recycle his voice clips forever, but that sounds icky and gross. Yeah, as I say, like... And cheap. And, and very cheap. So, for a game company, not outside the realm of possibility. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's that? Nintendo cutting corners on one of their biggest franchises? Perish the thought, stares yes. at Pokemon. <laughs> it's like, why would they do such a thing like that? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, the man is 67, so... Yeah. Which isn't that old, but... Yeah, but, like, straight up was writing from 1991 to 2023. So now the question, of course, becomes, if they do replace him, who do you think it would be? Oh, I don't know. It'll mm. probably be somebody we've never even heard of. Hmm, okay. I'd assume, at least. Yeah, I mean, that would be the thing that would make more sense. Yeah. Of course, there's a lot of speculation running around about this, too. I saw one thing. I didn't click on it, because I'm pretty sure it was a bullshit, badly written article anyway, but I saw one... I think it was like a tabloid basically saying something along the lines of like, what if they get Chris Pratt to do Mario? It's like, no. No, no get out of here. Get the f*** out of here. <laughs> oh, thanks. I gotta bleep that. Sorry. <laughs> if, oh, there's is... one, if there's one thing I'm good for, <laughs> it's having to make you bleep something in the first like five minutes of the show. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love it. No, I don't want to get in the mudslinging because it's all f- stupid. Now I have to do that. God <laughs> damn it. If there's one thing both of us are good for... <laughs> it's making my life harder. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> one might say it's what I live for. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, no, some like some people are like, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but uh, yeah. 
I'm sure this is just the result of he's been voicing this character for 30 years and he wants a and he wants a gosh darn break. Yeah. <laughs> I had to stop myself. I heard it. <laughs> I, I heard it. <laughs> so until such time that we have any information suggesting anything to the contrary, I'm going to run with the idea that my assumption is the correct one, as mm. I always do anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Mm. All right, enough funny games. Let's get to the sad shit. Oh, boy. Uh, unfortunately, Ron Cephas Jones, he unfortunately has passed away. Oh, no. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's... apparently it was a long-standing pulmonary issue. He passed away August 19th at 66. Oh, jeez. Yeah. A few days, then. Yep. All right. Admittedly, he's an actor whose work I am woefully unfamiliar with because I don't watch as much stuff as I should. Mm-hmm. One of the things he's apparently best known for is his role as William Shakespeare Hill in the show This Is Us. Mm-hmm. The things we're more likely to know him for are he was Eddie's former boss in Venom. <laughs> okay. And more notably, he was Bobby Fish in Luke Cage. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 Okay. He's real good in that. Yeah, he was. Shoot, yeah, he was great in that. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be one of those times where I tell myself I should go back and look at more stuff, and I probably won't because I just don't have a lot of time. Yeah. You know what's funny is that I, um, looking him up, it's like, oh, I know I've seen your face, and God, God knows a bunch of things. Hmm. Like, definitely a very familiar face, but I think it's always kind of been one of those, like, oh, I know who you are, and didn't really, like, retain, because I think he did more stuff on, like, shows and with movies for the most part. It looks but... about even, but it also looks like a lot of his TV roles were in one episode. Hmm. Fair. Not all of them. There's quite a few long runners on here, like This Is Us. Mm-hmm. He was in over 20 episodes of something called Truth Be Told. I'm gonna stop pretending I know what any of these are. Oh, The Blacklist. <laughs> he was on an episode of The Blacklist. Oh, was he? Oh, cool. Yeah. Alrighty. Me. I've watched a little bit of that show. It's an interesting show. Yeah. <laughs> so, that is a shame. He'll be missed. Oh, yes. I'm not gonna go to the next bit, because I don't want to immediately follow up with something that's completely in the opposite spectrum. So, there have been a lot of rumors abounding this week about various comic book movie projects and what have you, and I'm not gonna get into all of them, because I am no fishmonger. <laughs> okay. I am not some... I am not some mere gossip peddling about rumors. I'm not about that. I'm about the truth. Indeed. Which is why the only rumor I'm bringing up is the one that got debunked. Alright. <laughs> and also because, you know what, it's maybe a little bit unfortunate, because people were saying, oh, John Krasinski for the Batman in Brave and the Bold. <laughs> oh, okay. And you know, he could pull I, that off. Yeah, I could see that. But James Gunn responded with, because he was asked, I'm assuming rumors about DCU Batman casting have no truth to them, and he responded, I don't know what you're talking about, but we don't even have a script, and there's a strike happening, so no, no casting. Hmm. <laughs> Which, yeah. <laughs> it must be exhausting to be him. Oh, to be James Gunn? Can you imagine having to, like, especially being active on Twitter and actually taking the time to debunk this bullshit? <sighs> That's gotta be just... Yeah, that has to get old at a certain point. Ugh. And now people are just doing it because they know if they make something insane enough, he'll debunk it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm glad it's debunked, although part of my brain is like, man, it would be kind of cool seeing Jim from The Office as Batman. Right? <laughs> Maybe he might be a little warm. A little warm? 
Yeah, like a little too approachable. Ah, uh, oh yeah, I could see that, honestly. Then again, he wasn't, what was it, Jack Ryan? Yeah, he, he plays Jack Ryan. Yeah. The main character, which I've heard- But then heard... Jack's not a stone-cold badass from the bit I've seen. Yeah, from the bits I've seen, he's he's like, he is a badass, but he's not like completely unfallible. Like, he has something resembling a personality. So. I mean, Batman has personality, it's just most of that personality is DARKNESS! <laughs> yeah, no parents! Yeah, most of that personality is just depression. <laughs> it's like, can't help. Yeah, it's like, my parents are dead, I must beat up the, the mentally ill, who also commit major crimes. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. I'm not arguing against, like, the premise of Batman, but that's just one of those things where it's like, I can't help but think about it sometimes. <laughs> right? Boy, it's a good thing he exists. You know, it's actually a really good thing that he exists in Hellhole of Gotham. Otherwise, mm-hmm. why doesn't he just fund the police better? Would actually yeah. be valid. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and you know, in the wake of the last few years, why doesn't he fund the police has been increasingly easy to debunk. Yes. <laughs> so... Suck it, haters? Yeah, suck it, I don't haters, know. like, ba- backwards, exclamation mark, I guess. <laughs> How do you do an exclamation mark backwards? With imagination. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Alright, so here's one that kind of ended up turning into a rumor. Oh boy. Come to think of it. So, Marvel Studios puts out books after each of their installments with some behind-the-scenes stuff, and a lot of it just ends up in their Marvel Studios assembled thing. Mm-hmm. But I guess an excerpt from the Thor Love and Thunder, the official movie special. Yes, that's what it's called. Books. That's, that's what they're all cool. called. Okay. Right? So yeah, it's, it, it, they're all called the official movie special. And it's like, what does that mean? Yeah. It's a book. It's not the holiday special. Honestly, what my brain goes <laughs> to is like, it, that makes it sound like it's some special edition VHS. Yeah. We live in 2023 and it's like, oh, like the special things that came like, with the movie and all that, or, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff, there's no digital medium or disc space. It's always VHS. Because it sounds like the old, like, Christmas specials that you would get on VHS that were direct-to-video. <laughs> right. So, in this book, Waititi said what he would do if given an opportunity to direct another installment in the Thor series. So what he said is, what is left to do with him? It's got to be something that feels like it's carrying on with the evolution of the character, but still in a very fun way, and still giving him things to come up against that feel like they're building on the obstacles that he has to overcome. I don't think we can have a villain that's weaker than Hela. I feel like we need to step up from there and add a villain that's somehow more formidable. Mm. There's a fun element to Thor, and he has a casualness and sort of swagger about him when he visits these worlds and encounters these aliens that I don't think you'd get when it's an Earthling traveling through space exploring the universe. Mm. Which... In a vacuum, not bad statements. No, not at all. However, I know his idea of fun because I've seen two of his Thor movies now. <laughs> and like, okay, okay, I have been doing an incessant amount of dunking on Waititi's Thor lately on social media because of these things circulating around. But I want to point out, Waititi is a phenomenal filmmaker in his own right. Yeah. I just don't want him anywhere near the Thor movies anymore. Yeah, I'd say, like, obviously I'm only speaking for myself, but I feel very confident saying neither of us hate Taika Waititi. I personally no. can't hate Taika Waititi from Jojo Rabbit. That alone brilliant. is like, okay, yeah, it's like, I can never hate this man because of this. Tragic movie. and brilliant. Tragic and brilliant. <laughs> and not- weirdly funny. And oddly funny. Weirdly humorous, but not the kind of movie you watch to date the night before Mother's Day, speaking from experience. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't do that. Don't feel like Greg. No, please. <laughs> 
But it's one of those things where I don't want anybody to do these. And, and okay, the thing that blew up was that every, not everybody, but you know, certain outlets kept taking this as confirmation that Thor Five was in development and that Taika Waititi was probably coming back to direct. And no, that wasn't it at all. No, that wasn't even implied. Which, do your research, or don't, because I guess they're just after clicks anyway, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good job, much. you goddamn grifters. Mm. You fucking vultures. <laughs> you absolute detritus of news. Yeah, you. Is there a comic book equivalent of yellow journalism? I want to say J. Jonah Jameson, but realistically, <laughs> except, except for his Spider-Man hate, he's actually pretty fair. Okay. <laughs> Usually in the comics. I mean, sure, he also funded the creation of a couple of supervillains, but hey, what can you do? <laughs> Not everybody's perfect. Everybody yeah. makes mistakes. <laughs> but no, the sentiment that I kept seeing was maybe he'll take notes and some feedback from Thor 4 and rein it in a bit. And all I can think is... What about anything this man has done makes you think he takes feedback that way? And I say that with respect. Or understands the concept of reign it in. The man, from what I can tell, is a grade-A shitter. Yeah, I mean, he literally played Adolf Hitler. Yeah. And he played Adolf Hitler expressly because he's like, what actor actually wants to have I play Adolf Hitler on their resume? If I do it, nobody loses. It's like, what? <laughs> Which I guess I can see. Yeah, it's like, I respect the reasoning, but I'm like, it's like, it's batshit, but it makes sense. He, he's out of line, but he's correct. <laughs> <laughs> but no, my point is, nothing from what I've seen of him in interviews makes me think he is the kind of person who is going to take any feedback of Love and Thunder Anything he didn't already think, I don't think, he is going to take to heart. Yeah. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. Like, that's generally a good instinct to have, especially on most of the movies he tends to make. It's just really not great for a pre-existing franchise, and especially not a pre-existing franchise that I like and actually happen to take seriously. God, I never thought I'd miss Thor the Dark World, but <laughs> I would take three more of those over another Love and Thunder. I like how continuously, as more of these movies have come out, it's interesting to me how it's always the Thor movies that end up being at least amongst your worst ones. Because like, I remember when the Dark World came out, it was like, oh, I don't like at the time, it like, at least it was like, this is probably the worst one. It can't get any worse than this. And <laughs> and it's just well, like, I want to say, like, you didn't, like, hate Ragnarok to that degree, but you were still like, okay, don't like it, but whatever. And then Love and Thunder happens just like, God. <laughs> yeah, no, because what happens is, what happened is, Thor the Dark World was generally agreed to be one of the worst MCU movies for a while there, because mm. they were all decent. Yeah. And Thor the Dark World was just one of the less decent, less memorable, less fun ones. So it made... So it wasn't bad. In the sense of, it's not Fantastic, it's not Batman v Superman, it's definitely not Morbius. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and insert comment here about any number of bad superhero movies that I haven't seen. Mm. <laughs> but... It's no X-Men Apocalypse, either. How's that? Right. But, it was it was just, like, the less good one out of most of them. Ergo, it was the worst. And then Ragnarok, I felt like I was goddamn crazy. 
because <laughs> everybody else is having a great time, and I'm just there like, no, there's so much wrong here, and there's so much missing here, and I, I, I wish I was more active on social media when Ragnarok came out, because I would have been doomsaying about what he was gonna do to the Thor franchise, given more free reign, and then Love and Thunder would have came out, and I would have looked like a goddamn prophet. <laughs> I've ranted enough about this. Mm. The point is, his idea of doing something stronger than Hela isn't bad, yeah. but I also feel like might isn't necessarily what you need from Thor. Like, okay, yeah, you do need it, but the idea of... I mean, his, his arch enemy is Loki, historically, in the comics. Now it's not, obviously, because Loki's gone through more development to become a hero, but yeah. for a long time there, one of his worst enemies was his brother. Not just because he was his brother, but because Loki represents a sneak, a mage, the... The equal and opposite. He was the he was the rogue to Thor's fighter or what have you. He was the he was the thing you can't just punch out of the way because you got to get to him first. Yeah. So you could also do that. Yeah. No, no, I I I agree with that. But all in all, not bad ideas. Just after Love and Thunder, I'm not sure I trust the execution. Right. <laughs> I got another bit of news that's also Marvel related. Okay. Which is, which is, oh god, so there was a thing that was going on that I wasn't, that I didn't comment on because there was a, a, a while back a collectible steelbook of, or is a steelbook? Yeah, it was a steelbook, of WandaVision was making the rounds. Mm. And everybody was getting really mad at Disney because it didn't have a disc included. Huh. Come to find out, it wasn't an official released by Disney home video thing. Okay. It was a third party who, I don't remember if they actually had a license for it or not, but it was a third party collectible company or something that was making this steelbook, and everybody jumped on Disney assuming they were responsible for it. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, and in that case, if it's a third party company, then they assumedly wouldn't have the disc with it to begin with. They could get the rights for it, they just presumably decided not to, mm. but I decided not to bring it up. I don't think we brought it up. I don't I don't remember us bringing it up. Yeah, and I didn't bring it up specifically because it was a stupid thing and I didn't feel like I didn't feel like defending Disney, frankly, because them not releasing these shows on physical is stupid and if they'd done it ages ago, we wouldn't be having this discussion anyway. Well, I'm happy to say it's been officially announced. We are getting WandaVision, Loki season 1, and the first two seasons of The Mandalorian on 4K UHD and Blu-ray. Okay, so they're actually getting physical discs then. Real, actual steelbooks with Blu-ray discs. Oh, that sounds expensive. <laughs> it probably will be, because they also come with concept art cards and bonus features. So, I don't know how much they're going to cost. They don't go yes. up for pre-order until August 28th, but... God damn it, I gotta get them, because I was talking all that shit. I was talking all that shit. I told uh, them. I said it. I was like, you put that out, I'll buy it. And until such time, I have to pay bootleg Blu-ray makers to do it for me. <laughs> well, now you're doing it, so I gotta put my money where my mouth is, I guess. Well done. Good job not fucking up on this one, I guess. Yeah, it just took a while. It took a long ass time. Mandalorian season one and two. I haven't watched season three, but season two came out what, like, two, three years ago. Season one came out in what was it, twenty twenty? Was it twenty twenty? I thought it came out before the pandemic. I did it. Hold on. Oh yeah, twenty nineteen. Shit. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was just like, 
Yeah, I that's mean, four I, years. Yeah, it's like on one hand, thank you. On the other hand, it's been four years, three days. <laughs> one division's been over two. Yeah. Hell, so is Loki by this point. <laughs> My God. Still though, if this gets me that much closer to Werewolf by Night and the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special getting official Blu-ray releases, I'll I'll funnel as much money in it as I need to. <laughs> it's like that meme of Water News going, I'll kidnap a thousand children before I let this company die, except it's I'll fucking pay a thousand dollars if that's what it takes to get Werewolf by Night. Please don't. <laughs> I will sell a goddamn kidney. Don't do that. It's not worth it. You say that, but <laughs> They're Cody, writing so Cody, much. Cody, I say no, this. Greg, 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 Greg. We are in an age of people writing off content for taxes and it becoming genuine lost media. I refuse to let that happen to Werewolf by Night. Okay, that's fair. If it's Werewolf by Night, I will give you that. <laughs> and the Guardians Holiday Special. I will hesitantly give you that as well. What's there to hesitate on for that? No, because <laughs> no, I like the Guardians Special a lot. It's just like, uh. <laughs> I wish this wasn't a problem to begin with. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be nice. I'm yes. hoping that if these things react, if these things sell decently, they'll start doing it for more stuff. Yeah, it'll be like, oh, these people are actually going to give us money for this. Like, yes, yes, we will. We just have to convince them there's a market. Yeah, it's like we've been saying this for fucking years. <laughs> right? So, Loki, the complete first season, releases September 26th. One Division, okay. the complete series, releases November 28th. And... Both seasons of The Mandalorian release on December 12th. All four will be available for pre-order on August 28th. Uh, so far, we only have the bonus features for Loki Season 1. Okay. Designing the TVA, where it mm. says step into the incredible set of Loki Season 1 with production designer Kasra Faharani and Tom Hiddleston while getting a sneak peek into Season 2. Okay. The official TVA orientation video. Miss Minutes <laughs> explains the inner workings of the TVA timeline in her orientation video. Okay. A gag reel. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's gotta be fun. That's gotta be great. <laughs> they apparently are including the Assembled the Making of Loki special on there, so that's mm. neat. Okay. And then a couple of deleted scenes, one of which is called The Standoff, where Loki holds Sylvie hostage against the TVA. Alrighty. And the other one is called Loki's Coronation. Mobius reviews some moments from Loki's timeline in which... Frog Thor makes an appearance during Loki's coronation. Fro oh, why do I not remember that? Because we didn't see it in the show. Well, oh, okay. he, he did get a little cameo in the show. Okay, I have to say, was that actually Loki that showed up that I forgot about? No, it's Frog Thor. Or Frog, oh, or Frog Thor. Ah! <laughs> it's Thor turned into a frog. We saw yes. him in a jar yeah. buried oh in dirt in the void. Oh my god, this is terrifying. Right? <laughs> I just looked it up. Yeah. It's the most no, terrifying Apparently shit. there was a deleted scene where he, like, just absolutely wrecks Loki's shit. Mm. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I'm looking forward to seeing what WandaVision has. Minor aside, I just looked up Frog Thor, or, or who apparently is known as Throg. Well, okay, there there is Thor as a frog. There 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 is Thor as a frog, and then there is Throg. They are two completely different things. Oh, okay. I, I, okay, I'm on the frog page, and then the top quote is, is that a frog in a Thor costume? Because it's because that's way cute from Spider-Man. I'm like, no, that's way cursed. <laughs> that is terrifying. Yeah. No, Throg is great. Mm. Throg is great. Throg is good. Alrighty. Let's get into the writer's strike and the actor's strike. Oh, boy. Do -do 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 -do. Pay your fucking writers! And now actors. So, we... 
maybe getting closer to the end of the WGA strike at least. Okay. I don't wanna I don't wanna put the cart before the horse because this is just them going back to meeting again. But mm-hmm. it was reported on August eighteenth that after four straight days of bargaining, the Writers Guild said that night it will meet again next week, which would mean this week, with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Mm. So they have been exchanging proposals this whole time. Alright. Which is good. Yeah, that means that there's some discourse happening. Yeah, it means that hopefully we are that much closer to people getting paid fairly, people getting protections for their job that are deserved, and people getting back to being able to actually do their jobs. Right. Which is quite nice. Indeed. This is also possibly the result... There are probably a couple things that are helping with this. Okay. One of which, this makes me laugh. (sighs) On Friday... A federal judge upheld a finding from the U.S. Copyright Office that a piece of art created by AI is not open to copyright protection. <laughs> I hate that there needs to be a ruling on that. <laughs> right? Because isn't the whole thing about copyright is that, like, one of the explicit things about it is that it's made by a person. So if it's not made by a person, then copyright can't be done to begin with. Yeah, but, you know, some fuckos are trying to say, well, if I if I own the AI, and I oh, have the AI make off. this, then I uh, made it, right? Jesus Christ, that pisses me off just hearing that. It's <laughs> like, just that genuinely... you made this? Yes, <laughs> I made this. Man, you, I actually got mad just from you saying that in that sarcastic tone. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Good. Good, I'm glad. Because there are people who unfortunately function like that and think like right? that. Right. <laughs> Disgusting. Mm. No, U.S. District Judge Beryl Howell said, Copyright law has never stretched so far to protect works generated by new forms of technology operating absent any guiding human hand, and stressed that human authorship is a bedrock requirement. Yeah. It has so to hooray. be. No, it has to be, just because I feel like that would like just open the gates for so many potential problems if it was otherwise. Open the gate a little. No, you can't open it a little! <laughs> You can't open it at all. We won't let you because you're not a, a person. <laughs> right? Mm. Yeah, she also emphasized that U.S. copyright law protects only works of human creation and is designed to adapt with the times. But human creativity is at the core of copyrightability, even as that human creativity is channeled through new tools or into new media. So, yeah, yeah good, good. Yeah, it, it still has to be a human behind the wheel. Which is probably part of why... They're presumably reversing... Co- well, okay, this happened around the same time that they were already negotiating, but I wouldn't mm. be surprised if the realization of, oh, shit, even if we make it with AI, we don't own it. Yeah. I need to find out if that means the secret evasion o- opening is free game, because if Ooh. it is, I'm gonna have a field day! <laughs> oh, you gotta turn that into, like, the intro, either your channel intro or the intro for this show, <laughs> somehow. <laughs> I need to find out the exact process by which it was made. I don't know. I need to talk. I need. I, I need to talk to somebody about this. Fuck. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Ooh, that's like the whole thing. Like George Romero, like forgetting the copyright, like a horror movie or whatever. <laughs> right. Crazy. Yeah. So here's a crazy one as well. Did you know that New York City's five pension funds contain roughly about two hundred and fifty billion dollars of combined assets? Jesus Christ. Right? That's the kind of money, I was talking about a, about this with a mutual friend, that's the kind of money that, ta- like, just saying that amount knocks the wind out of my sails a little bit. Like, it actually, like, 
takes my breath away a little bit. Yeah. It's a little anxiety-inducing just imagining you could blow a billion dollars a year and you never come close to running out of money in the rest of your fucking life, which you could probably preserve substantially with that <laughs> money. Yeah. God almighty. Fucking crazy. Anyways, that's... It's not an expression of disgust because those funds are meant to, you know, be a pension for the city's public employees. Yeah. It's just a it's just a staggering fucking number is all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently it doesn't just sit there. Sometimes it gets invested into stuff. Like Well, funny thing, a series of letters sent to Disney, Paramount, and Comcast, signed by New York City Comptroller Brad Lander on behalf of the trustees of those pension funds. Mm-hmm. Warn the studios that they risk losing investor confidence if they keep the strikes dragging on much longer. Oof. Yeah, yeah. apparently, those pension funds have approximately 2.7 million shares of the Walt Disney Company, valued at $229.2 million. Oh, okay. Roughly 6.3 million shares of Comcast, valued at $272.7 million. Okay. Apparently, they're less... They're, they're, they're less happy with Paramount. 21,000 Class A shares and 691,000 Class B shares with a combined value of more than $10 million. Mm. But the point is, Lander noted in each letter that as long-term investors, the pension funds have long considered constructive labor management relations to be fundamental to effective human capital management and the creation of sustainable shareholder value. Essentially telling them, if you don't get this together, we got concerns and we might have to pull out. <laughs> because he also added in addition to concerns that the WJA and SAG after strikes expose NYCRS's investments to undue risk I am also concerned that the underlying business practices which led to this conflict if not resolved may threaten the long term stability of NYCRS's investments in your company so that's it's unfortunate but that is a case of hitting it where it actually matters <laughs> in the fucking bank in the fucking wallet I love it I mean I love it. I kind of hate that's that's what it takes because between I feel like the two like major guiding forces of the week when it comes to this whole story is going to be that and the federal ruling, not the case of like people going. It's like no, we've just laid it out. Just don't give us bad situations, and we'll go back to working. Yeah, it could have been so much easier if you just paid your goddamn writers. <laughs> And now but actors. if human decency can't win the day, hopefully disgusting corporate greed and self-preservation will. I hate that sentence so much. <laughs> I don't like it, but I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and by take it, I mean I'll sit on it for a while. Mm-hmm. But, ugh. River stomp on it. <laughs> And this one isn't, this one's, I'm going to call it related to the strikes, because it involves an actor not getting paid properly, apparently. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, mm-hmm. that being presumably last Tuesday, which would be the, what was that, the 20, no, not, not the 20, the... The 15th. 15th. Actress Bonnie Ahrens filed suit in Los Angeles against Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema. She played the demon nun, Valak, in the Conjuring films. Okay. And apparently she's seeking what she claims are contractually required share of merchandising revenues. Okay. Per the suit, Warner Brothers exploited the talent, creativity, and likeness of Bonnie Aarons to enormous financial success. Uh, The Nun did make $365 million on a $22 million budget, so yeah. Yeah. 
Miss Aaron's character is so popular that her appearance in The Conjuring 2 spawned the spin-off franchise The Nun Movies, based upon Miss Aaron's character, as well as all manner of merchandise, including toys, dolls, decor. Who gets a nun doll? Anyway, yeah, so say, who, toy- who gets a nun doll or a nun toy? Like, what the hell? <laughs> toys, dolls, decorations, pins, jewelry, t-shirts, socks. Socks? Socks? Jewelry? What? <laughs> bedding? Who the fuck gets <laughs> bedding with a nun on who it? Who gets what the nun bed? What kind of deranged motherfucker? <laughs> oh, I can think of somebody. It's like, oh, and let me show you my bed. And it's just like, you see the nun bedding, and it's like, ooh, date night over. (laughs) Uh, Costumes, drinkware, and posters all using Miss Aaron's likeness. Uh, The filing claims Warner Brothers has refused to account intelligibly and to pay Miss Aaron's her contractually required share of merchandising revenues. Uh, Per the suit, she was paid a fixed fee for her work, but was allegedly offered the opportunity for additional compensation via box office bonuses and merchandise exploiting her likeness. The suit says that instead of accounting and paying in a transparent fashion, Warner Brothers obscures and hides the same amount of Miss Aaron's rightful share of merchandising revenues, all while continuing to exploit her. Hmm. So, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Obviously, you know, the facts are to be determined. Right. However, I am inclined to side with the side that is not a massive studio. Yeah, same, honestly. Because, looks at Strike. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's like, not a good look, boyo. No, not at all. Mm. So yeah, with any luck, the WGA strike might be over soon, and then we can be one step closer to resolving the SAG-AFTRA strike. Do note, the WGA has implied that they will still continue to strike with SAG-AFTRA until such time as a resolution for them is reached as well. So, okay. the writers being back doesn't mean the writers are back. Yeah. Till all are one, as a great Transformer once said. <laughs> God bless you, Optimus Prime. Indeed. <laughs> Let's go to trailer time. Alrighty. It's trailer time! There's only a couple this week because, yeah, I just couldn't find a lot that... W- I got kind of desperate. <laughs> Which, I, I could have just done a week without trailer time, but... I, I mean, I kind of thought so, given the two choices that we got, but however, uh, one of them fair, is... one of them, I think, w- I would have put on here anyway. Yeah, Fair. The one that I wouldn't have normally put on here, despite the fact that it's ostensibly based on a comic book, is the Netflix anime Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. Yes. But this looks decent. I say, having never seen the movie. I say, I haven't seen the movie and I haven't read any of the original comics. I've also never read the comics. But this does look like a good time. No, this looks nostalgically stylish in a way I can't put my finger on. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I kind of get you talking about, because that, honestly, that was kind of, like, my thought. It's like, this feels strangely old school. Is it weird to say that it... I'm not an art person, so please forgive me if this is an offensive statement. Is it weird to say that this makes me think of, like, a gorilla's music video? <laughs> no. No, actually thinking about it, I I understand that. I can see how one would, would get to that conclusion. Okay. And I like the gorillas, so... And also, apparently, a huge... I think it was already confirmed, but a, a huge number of the original movie cast is coming back for this. Oh, okay, that's encouraging. Yeah, I mean, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's back. Chris Evans is back. Ha! <laughs> Alright. Michael Sarah. Okay. So, you know what, I'm just pulling up the list here. Hold on a sec. I, one that caught my attention <laughs> for the wrong reasons was... I know that one of the voice actors is, is a gentleman by the name of Mark Webber. Yep. And I got extremely confused because Mark Webber is also the name of a retired Australian race car driver. Oh. Yeah, he used he used to race in Formula One for Red Bull. So I was just like, I'm sorry, what? And I got really excited, just like, ah, Mark Webber doesn't have a double life as a voice actor. 
Oh, fuck. Brandon Ralph's in this. Aubrey Plaza's in this. As what? Julie Powers. Oh, okay. Brie Larson's in this. <laughs> okay. Wait, these were all in the original? I gotta watch this fucking movie. Oh. I knew Chris Evans was in this. I didn't fucking know. Anna Kendrick's in this? Oh, she is? Okay, by this time next week, I will have fucking watched Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, I guess I have to as well. I promise you that. Fuck. Do we want to... I might, I might put it on the movie night suggestion list. I'd be fine with that. All right. Neat. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, no. I, I, now I'm looking even more forward to this, because there, was, there wasn't a lot of voice acting in here. But yeah, no. It already looked interesting, and now this is just... Mwah! What the fuck? Right. But no, that was my desperation pick. The other one that I already had on here was My Animal. So this actually looks really neat. This does. Yeah. Even if this wasn't a werewolf movie, I would... I'm not gonna say I'd still definitely want to go see it, but I'd at least be interested in it. Because it looks very moody and very ominous and grim in a way that appeals to me. I will say what's very unfortunate when I watch it is that... I didn't realize it was a werewolf movie until the final shot. Really? Yeah, because it's one of those things where it's like, obviously I could tell that something wasn't right, especially with the eyes of, like, um, the main character and her father? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was just like, okay, something is very amiss here, but what is it exactly? And then when it shows the final scene of her, like, sitting on top of the car with the full moon, I was like, Oh, this is a werewolf. This is a different kind of werewolf movie. All right, this looks cool. That was kind of my reaction to it. <laughs> this is a coming of age lesbian werewolf movie. All right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I was like... interested enough in Bottoms. I would have seen a coming of age lesbian movie anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Only because it looks like an intriguing concept and also funny as fuck. All yeah, right, it looks that's hilarious. why I want to see Bottoms. Yeah, same. But. No, this is one where I would have seen it without the werewolf angle, or wanted to see it at least, because it's only in select theaters, so who knows if that means anywhere near us, but... Right. But, ah, <laughs> This looks good. Yeah, th- this looks very good. It's bleak. It, 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 but very also, much. with a hint of, with a hint of optimism and warmth. Mm-hmm. Which only serves to make it a little bit more ominous. It, r- right. <laughs> I love it. So that was a very abbreviated trailer time again. Indeed. Let's get it a box office. Alright. We did see the highest grossing movie this weekend because it was Blue Beetle. Oh, was it? But it's not looking good. <laughs> okay, but I was going to say, it's like Barbie has been finally knocked off her perch. The box office is blue. In the All sad right. way. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> 25 million domestic weekend. Oof. For a $43.6 million worldwide total. Really? Against a $104 million budget. Oh, that's unfortunate. Now, now, I'm about to snort some grade-A copium here, but... (laughs) Hear me out on this one. Okay. There's a few key markets it hasn't opened in yet. China, Japan, and Australia. It doesn't land in any of them until mid-September. That could do one of two things. Mm Mm-hmm. That could mean either this movie gets a pretty big boost near the tail end of its run... Well, maybe not the tail end, but, you know, at the point in its run where it's really starting to drop off domestically and in the territories it's already released in. Or it could also continue to bomb out because by that point, audiences in that country may have already pirated it. Yeah, I can I can see either happening at that point. Or maybe it just won't have resonated with them, which is also possible. I mean, I don't really know what 
China, Japan, and Australia's box office are into. I don't even know what the American box office is into half the time. But, mm. I mean, like, okay, Blue Beetle's got some pretty heavy toku influences. Yeah. So, I don't know, maybe it could be big in Japan. Maybe they'll hate it. Who knows? <laughs> I just, I want to see this movie do alright. It definitely deserves to do better than it's doing. Yeah, 100%. We'll get into it more in a bit, but, ah, uh, that's sad. That's really mm. sad. And I mean, even, even, even with the sad opening weekend, it could still do well. Elemental turned it around. Oh, okay. Ele- yeah, Elemental started off real low, and now it's actually decently profitable. Okay. Especially adding in upcoming physical sales that would happen. But anyways, let's get back to the rest of the box office. Second place, <laughs> it's Barbie. Alright. Yeah. $21 million domestic weekend, $566.8 million domestically for a $1.28 billion worldwide total. Remind me, the Mario movie was what, 1.7? 1.35. Oh. Okay. And I think Barbie was like 1.18 last weekend, so there's still a chance. It has it's a gonna, chance. It's gonna... It's probably gonna keep dropping, and those gains are gonna get smaller and smaller every week, but there's a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. You know, I shouldn't be upset because that's ultimately a Dumb and Dumber reference. No, wait, no, it's not Dumb and Dumber, it's me, myself, and Irene. Wrong Jim Carrey movie. But I know why you're quoting it, and that makes me mad. If it helps, I could feel my brain going, stop. 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 As I was doing it. Because I hate that fucking commercial. <laughs> no, and it was Dumb and Dumber. Okay. Still hate that commercial. <laughs> yeah, no. That just makes it even, one might say, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. <laughs> Heyo. Heyo. Third place was, I, I can't, it's, it's, it's fucking Oppenheimer. Alrighty. $10.7 million domestic weekend, $285.3 million domestic total, $718.5 million worldwide against a $100 million budget, which I shouldn't even fucking have bothered. It's making money. It's making yeah, fucking bank. Yeah, these movies are making a, a profit. These two movies Hand over fist. Indeed. Doing better than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is fourth place. Mm. $8.5 million domestic weekend, $88.2 million domestic total, and... Only $118.5 million worldwide. Yikes. Yeah, that's not great. Mm. But even Ninja Turtles is still doing better than number five, the movie I saw just today, actually, Strays. Mm. $8.2 million domestic weekend, and in total, $10.2 million worldwide, I guess a $46 million budget. Oh boy. Alright. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which is a shame, because, and I'm just going to start with Strays, because I don't have a lot to say, so I'm just going to start there. I like Strays a lot. Okay. Like I said, I almost didn't go see it today anyway, because I was tired and exhausted and didn't feel like sitting in a room full of people. But I did anyway, and I'm glad <laughs> that I did, because it was kind of the shot in the arm that I needed today. Alrighty. It was really funny. Honestly, funnier than I expected. Plenty of really good stuff that was not in the trailers. Okay. Which was kind of my big fear with Strays. Yeah, I mean, I could... I feel like that's probably why the movie didn't do well. It's just because I felt like the trailer's kind of show. It's like, this is the one type of humor in the movie. And then here you say, it's like, okay, there's actually a lot more going on on the humor side that the trailers don't really show off. Oh, it's all kind of the same kind of humor. There's just more of it and a lot better jokes than mm. I was expecting to have not be in the trailer. Right. In the, a lot. This is a gross movie. 
<laughs> you don't fucking say. <laughs> it's a really gross movie. I don't know why I was surprised after the whole bit with the, the dogs just humping stuff and, the, hi, Noah, I'm your father. <laughs> but <laughs> That and the shrooms bit. And the shroom. Well, the shrooms bit isn't gross. The, okay. Mm. Anyways. <laughs> the, shrooms, the shrooms bit from the trailer wasn't gross. <laughs> The shrooms bit was actually kind of funny with the, you look different too, is it my human hands? <laughs> right. But I, I had a good time watching this. It was worth it for the cast alone, because you got Will Ferrell, Jamie Foxx, Isla Fisher, and Randall Park as the main four dogs. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Right. It, it tries having an emotional conflict to set up, you know, some end of second act, start of third act drama that... I don't know if it necessarily works, but, like, it was like, okay, yeah, I can see where this is going for this kind of movie. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I'd say the dog acting is pretty good, but I also, you know, don't know how much of that's actually the dogs and how much of it's cgi to make them look like they're talking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how I longed for the days of the mask. Fair. <laughs> Milo the dog in that was great. Oh, yeah, Milo was pretty great. He was amazing. Same with Eddie from Frasier. I don't remember Eddie from Frasier. The dog? Yeah, well, I didn't watch ah. a lot of Frasier. He was Frasier's dad's dog. Oh, okay. I think the dog's name was Moose. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, like, the, the, the like dog the, actor's name like the, was Moose. Like the acting dog is named Moose. Yeah, but he was played by Moose and then Moose's son, Enzo. Oh, okay. Enzo Ferrari. And <laughs> Yeah, I guess also for the most part, there's not an awful lot in the way of twists. You could probably see where most of the movie's going. Yeah. But it was still a fun time. Mm-hmm. I honestly think the humor worked a little more for me more often than Blue Beetle, which we'll get into in a, just a bit here. But I think this is worth it if you're kind of a fan of grosser, less mature humor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and also, you know what? Okay, there is very little I hate like, okay, I'll talk about, you know, certain kinds of movies really piss me off. I hate, based on a true story, ones on the face of it, especially when they're religious-oriented. Mm. I'm not a huge fan of documentaries. But if there is one ridiculously niche, specific genre of movie that I fucking hate... Okay. It's dog narration movies. Oh, so... You know exactly what I mean. Ones like The Art of Racing in the Rain... Or A Dog's Purpose. You know what's funny is that that's actually a movie I really want to watch. I never got a chance to see it. I really want to watch it for very obvious reasons. <laughs> um, I hate those kind of movies so much just on the face of them. Anytime I see a movie where it's like, oh, it's a dog narrating about its relationship with its owner, I, I just want to fucking barf. And I like dogs. I'm, <laughs> I like dogs better than I like most people, if I'm honest. But What's funny about that is that outside of Art of Racing in the Ring, because I never actually saw it, the first thing that popped in my head, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the movie where Tim Allen gets transformed into the family dog. Technically, the Shaggy Dog? Yeah, the Shaggy Dog. Technically because it is Tim Allen narrating. His The dog doesn't actually talk <laughs> on, a, on a very technical level. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's also, that's a guy turning into a dog. That doesn't count. Oh, I know. It's just that was the first thing my brain thought of when you said that. No, I mean just regular ass dogs trying to trying to make some meaning out of their relationship with their owner and trying to understand the human world and what have you. Mm-hmm. I just, 
I don't understand it. I, I, it, it's just like some of the most saccharine, emotionally manipulative bullshit I've ever seen in my life. They make me irrationally angry just on the <laughs> face of it. Fair. And this is a glorious send-up of that. If you're mm. sick of those kind of movies, like me, go see this one. I'd say it's worth watching then. Yeah. Alright. I really am getting soft, aren't I? <laughs> I don't know what makes you say that. <laughs> Used to be a time when half the shit that I saw was like, don't bother, it's terrible. Mm, hey, tastes grow as, as we age, and I feel like part of it is also like the standards of what's good has changed enough to where it's like, well... This is as good as it gets, so we might as well enjoy it. Truly, <laughs> <laughs> it is as good as it gets. Jack <laughs> uh, oh, fuck it. Let's go to Blue Beetle. All right, let's go to Blue Beetle. Yeah, the um, first post-Flash, Points. not quite DCEU, not quite DCU, because it's not part of Gods and Monsters because it was approved before James Gunn showed up, but also apparently Blue Beetle's gonna be the first DCU character, but isn't that already Peacemaker and Waller? And I... I, uh, I, I don't I don't fucking know, man. Uh, I don't fucking know. Soft reboots are the stupidest thing on the fucking planet, but here we are. Mm. I like this movie, though. Oh, this movie's great. It was... Like, Blue Beetle is a hero that I'm very fond of, because he's a little bit Iron Man, he's a little bit Ben 10, a little bit Venom, a little bit Spider-Man, just for the teenage superhero angle, more than anything. Mm -hmm. Especially now that Miles Morales exists. Right. Although I guess you could say Miles Morales is a little bit Jaime Reyes, <laughs> would be more accurate, since Jaime predates him by, I want to say like five, six, more than that, years? 2011, and then Jaime was... Oh, I thought it was later than that. Nah, he's... Oh, yeah, 2006. So, Jaime's got to beat by, like, five years. Okay. So, it's a little more fair to say Miles is a little bit Jaime, but either way, that's unnecessarily derivative of both characters. <laughs> and really, I just drew the parallel because, again, teenage superhero angle. No, so Blue Beetle is... Hmm. Jaime Reyes has just come back from graduating college. He has a degree. He's hoping to make his family proud and help out. Come to find out, things have kind of gone to shit while he was gone, and his family was uh, trying to make sure he wasn't worried, but now he is worried. Mm. And in the process of trying to get them a uh, try to get a better job to help out, he ends up bonded with a mysterious high-tech weapon. Mm. And he becomes a superhero. He finds a superhero in himself and outside of himself. And by in himself, I mean both in his head, and in his spine. <laughs> it's like a little gross. <laughs> it's pretty It's pretty gross. Yes, it, but it was shown in the trailer too, so... This movie goes a little hard at points. Oh yeah, oh it goes oh, like way harder than it has, has any right to on more than one occasion. Yeah, and I like it. It's mm. not, I'll admit, to me at least, not the most, you know, innovative original of superhero origins, but it doesn't need to be. Yeah, no. It does the things that it's trying to do very well. Very well. It's got good action. It nails the family aspect hugely. Oh, yeah. Honestly, the movie does family better than it does funny. You can't have funny without family. Which isn't to say that it's not a funny movie, because it is. There's some, there's some real good laughs in here. Oh, but yeah. There's just a lot of really heartfelt moments where you can feel the affection that this family has for each other. And... In some scenes, you're genuinely terrified for all of them. 
Oh, and not yeah. necessarily where you'd expect, either. Hmm. There are some things that have some uncomfortable parallels, but we'll get into that. <laughs> I think, at least. Right. I have some nerd quibbles. Okay. There are some characters that are part of Jaime's supporting cast in the comics that are missing here, and there are some characters in this movie who don't exist in the comics, and I feel like maybe you didn't necessarily need to make up some of these characters. Hmm. But, for the movie, they work really great, and I'm holding out hope that some other ones might show up later, potentially. Maybe. Not all of them, though. I'm sure not all of them can. Yeah. You know what? I don't think this is a spoiler. I'm actually very pleasantly surprised by how few jokes you get of... How do I put this? <laughs> the really tired thing of the scare... Because only Jaime can hear the scare up, which I guess is part of it. So... Yeah. You don't get a lot of stupid jokes where Jaime says one thing and then the Scarab immediately contradicts him and he has to stumble and save face with whoever he was talking to. Yeah. I hate that. No, I hate that too. And honestly, I do think like the fact that only Jaime can hear it helps a lot as well because if anything, I feel like it's like, oh, only Jaime can hear the Scarab. That opens up a lot more room for a little bit of extra funny in that regard because... As far as anyone else is aware, he's just, at worst case scenario, he's just like... Talking to himself? Talking to himself for no reason. But it's like, no, it opens up a lot of opportunities to have some funny bits with the audience that don't feel tropey as fuck. Yeah. So, I, I agree with that completely. It's fun when it's like, alright, like this is just a me, myself, and I kind of situation, and we're clearly having a good time with that. It's also one of those things where, you know what, while I did have some quibbles, and I'll get into the specifics later, about some things that are missing from the comics. On the flip side, mm -hmm. while they left some stuff out of Jaime's comics specifically, mm. and also added some stuff to some of the other Blue Beetles that didn't exist in the comics previously, <laughs> uh, you can tell from how they talk about the previous Blue Beetles, because they do factor in a little bit, mm -hmm. that there's a genuine respect and a genuine admiration for Blue Beetle as a concept in this movie. Right. It's not one of those ones where it's like, oh, this is the one that I like, so here's who we're making the movie about, and fuck off with the rest of them. No, that's there's there is a bit of establishment present, and they respect it. Which is really great, considering how DC is not always the best about that stares at Wally West. <laughs> stares at the number of Barry Allen Flashpoint adaptations. Oof. Yeah, you know, Bart mm. Allen was, uh, Flash for a bit. Mm. We're never seeing that. It's unfortunate. Not even once. But no, Blue Beetle is a really fun time. And I, I'm i trying to figure out some other stuff. Okay, you know what, a little bit of a critique. The villains aren't great. Yeah, I can get behind that. Now, Victoria Cord is alright in the sense of she is a villain who you absolutely hate. Yes. It's but, very easy to hate her. <laughs> but her motivations are so short-sighted and cookie-cutter, and she's so non-threatening on her own, mm -hmm. that eventually you stop being like... Eventually, it stops being a love to hate, and it just turns into hate. Yes. And yes, you just very want, much so. And you just want her to just go away from the movie. <laughs> Meanwhile, Carapax... Fine... Mm. Yeah. But a little one note, not helped by the fact that while they do mix up his design and he's not 
also empowered by a scarab. He is still very much a villain with pretty much the same power set as a hero, but he uses it for evil. Yeah, it's like, ooh, you're my evil twin. It's like, no. no. <laughs> nah. Yeah. They need to they need to stop doing that for a bit. Mm-hmm. And also, there's at least a couple of plot things that are decently predictable. Mm-hmm. I'll get into that one in a bit, but you and I were both laughing at it. <laughs> Fair. You know the one. <laughs> I felt so bad, too. <laughs> Yeah, but we were right. <laughs> we were fucking right. <laughs> we were both we were both goddamn right. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah, no. This is this is not a perfect movie. This is not one of my top ten, which is kind of a shame considering how much I was looking forward to it. It's not amazing, to me mm. at least. And but, who knows, maybe it's one of those things where it's just not all the stuff resonates with me as much, so it doesn't click. What this is, though, is a damn good first entry. It's a great introduction to Jaime Reyes as a character. It sounds like we are going to get more of him and Zola Maradueña's portrayal of him going forward in the future, which, damn straight, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Most of the cast is pretty damn good in this. Yeah, like, pretty much everyone, I'd say with the exception of, I'd say it's more of a thing of how their characters were than what the actors did, but I'd say with the in- exception of the antagonist, Pretty much everyone does a great job in their roles here. I'm not the biggest fan of Jenny Cord, but hmm. I'll get into that uh, yeah, that's more fair. in a bit, I guess. I just mm. she feels not superfluous, but there are some things they did that they really didn't have to do. Yeah, she doesn't feel superfluous, but also, I, and also, I'm a little bit biased because she is one of those characters who does not exist in the comics. So, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit. Why would you? <laughs> And I know why, because they needed they needed somebody with an in with cord to help kickstart the plot, and also because having a good cord helps shed some light on the good sides of Ted's legacy. Right. So, there's that. So I understand that part, but it's still a little bit frustrating. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, no, this to me is not, you know, anything super spectacular, It, but it's a, it's a good superhero movie. Right. <laughs> and it really opens a door for... A lot of potential. Jaime's world to expand out. You know what? Actually, here's something we didn't talk about yet that Mm. is not a spoiler. So, previously in the comics, Jaime was based in El Paso, Texas. Yes. And for the movie, and he he did move to the city in the comics last year, but Palmero City Mm. is a relatively new thing that they've added for him. And I'm not sure how I feel about that, but the design is sick. The design is very good. Um... Like, 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 visually, it looks fantastic, um, and it looks really good for the movie. I think my only, and this is really, and I will fully acknowledge this is totally me nitpicking, the only thing that kind of bugged me about it is that there were a couple moments where I couldn't completely shake my suspension of disbelief and be like, no, that's just Miami. (laughs) (laughs) I mean- The opening shot of the city is literally over, like, the Venetian Keys in Miami, and like, no, that's just fucking Miami, Miami, guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be fair, a lot of a lot of the original DC cities draw parallels from other places. Oh, I'm very aware of that, and I think that's kind of the unfortunate thing about it too. Is that I'm very aware of it, and I think we talked about it a little bit. And it's like I feel like with a lot of the cities, at least from the portrayals I've seen of like like um, Gotham and Metropolis and stuff like that, you can absolutely see the influence from other cities. What they do such a, a good mixing of of the elements of what they take inspiration from. And it's like all right. I can see the bits, 
but it still feels like its own thing. And then, but with this movie, it's just like, no, dude, it's just like a weird ass ghost in the shell Miami. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can see that. And I mean, ghost in the shell in the sense of like all like the billboards and advertisements are like being like projected on and around like the buildings in the, in the movie. It reminded, even though I never saw it, it reminded me a lot of the trailer for Scarlett Johansson's Ghost in the Shell. Ah. So, I mean, it looks cool. Yeah. Make no mistake with my nitpicking, it still looks sick as hell. It's just one of those things that I I couldn't, like, shake when I was looking at it. (laughs) And also, I I feel like we got some good uses of the Scarab's ability to basically create stuff out of nowhere. Yes. Oh my god. I... mm, I... I don't want to talk too much about it because part of it is spoilery, but yes, fully agreed. <laughs> yeah, and there's still room to do some even wackier stuff later on down the line. Yeah. But I also like, they don't delve too much into it, so you have room to get more specific down the line. Yeah, there's 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 room for creativity for later on. Yeah. And you know what, if I'm talking shit about some of the original characters, then uh, let's talk about one that I actually did really like. I like George Lopez's Uncle Rudy in this a lot more than I was expecting to, just based <laughs> on the first, like, opening bit of the movie. Yeah. Because no, when he first showed up, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a spoiler to be, say he's a, he's, he's more than a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. I mean, we literally have the man in the trailer calling Batman a fascist, so... Yeah, him and <laughs> half the population, so... <laughs> That's nothing new. Mm. But no, he's a bit—he's a bit of a conspiracy theorist from the trailer, er, from in the in the in the movie. And at first, I was rolling my eyes, going, "Yeah, all right." But there's actually a lot of there's a lot of humor to be derived from it. And also, despite that, you could tell, like, also he wants what's best for his family, and also he's a really good mentor figure to Jaime. And you even see a softer side with some other stuff that I wouldn't expect him to have a favorable impression of later on. Mm-hmm. So that was neat. Yeah. And then the ending just kind of cuts me up on the inside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got anything else that's not a spoiler, you think? Uh, I don't think so. All right. So, uh, in that case, wrapping up, Blue Beetle is definitely worth a watch. Indeed. It yeah. is, like I said, nothing that reinvents the wheel. It's certainly not breaking any new ground or unearthing any alien technology, but it's still a fairly creative and pretty fun romp. Indeed. If you don't want to get spoiled on Blue Beetle, make sure to click away in three, two, one. Let's see, where do where do we start with spoilers, you think? <laughs> uh <laughs> I I can't help but think about the thing that we both laughed at. <laughs> oh yeah, the dad, Berto, he's covered in fucking death flags. Oh, just, it's so bad. It's like just because the movie establishes like early on in the whole like you mentioned before. Jaime comes back from college, and he's finding out about what happened with his family while he They're was losing late. the house. Yeah. And his dad had a heart attack. And his dad had a heart attack, and it's like, and all right. And they lost the auto shop. <laughs> it's just, oh my god, it's fucking Luis. I don't mean that in a derivative <laughs> way, but now now I can think of that as just, uh, how's, uh, how's your dad? Oh, he got deported. Yeah, my mom died. How's your girl? She left me. I still got the van, though. <laughs> yeah. It's just that. It's no, not, re- it's not, but it's... And the, but it's kind of a similar setup. No, but... Oh, it's so unfortunate, too, because, like, for the first, like, half of the movie... Jaime's dad, first and foremost, is great. He's amazing. Damien Alcazar? 
does yeah. a great job as Alberto Reyes. Like he's great and he's it's fun to have him there. But it really is just horrific how many death flags are there. Capped off by like a heart to heart that he's having with Jaime in the first third of the movie. Because at that point both of us established like yeah. Life's he's a journey with- and we don't know where the destination is. The important part is we take it together. And at this point, we're both <laughs> just sitting there fucking yeah. like he's so fucking dead. Yeah, and then it's like immediately after that he's like he's talking about like, you know, you have a role in this world. And then Jaime just goes, So what's your role? And I and then in Charlie and my brain I'm going, for me to die. <laughs> You're the Uncle Ben. You're the Uncle Ben <laughs> So what's your role? And I just hear um, Alberto and his voice say, to die, and I just start losing it in my chair. I was just like, oh no. (laughs) I felt kind of bad for the people sitting next to me, because they're probably Mm. like, what is he laughing at? (laughs) Yeah, no, Alberto's good. Uh, Like I said, Rudy grew on me, especially when Jaime realizes that the scarab can't be removed without killing him, and he reassures him that, you know... Be, you're you're a superhero, and everything's gonna be all right. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that he's genuinely a fan of Ted Cord. Oh yeah, it's one of those things where it's honestly when he started going into like, Ted or at Cord's- least he's a fan of the Blue Beetle, and knowing that millionaire Ted Cord was the Blue Beetle doesn't dampen his enthusiasm. He's still mm-hmm. just like, no, the Blue Beetle was great. Yeah, he he was a total goober, but he was great. <laughs> He was! Ted Cord is such a fucking goober. And that's why I like him. Like, I'm, I'm in a weird spot where I'm more familiar with Jaime mm-hmm. in terms of adaptations, but I like Ted more conceptually. Right. And also I've consumed more Jaime comics, but I'm a bigger fan of Ted conceptually. <laughs> I think that whole bit was kind of one of the weird things that I feel like with how fractured the DC movies can be sometimes... When George Lopez, when Rudy's going into like how much of a fan he is of Ted Cord, it's a thing that's like, wait, that's right. The the civilians know that these people exist because like there's that, and there was also like a, I guess because of how much time the movie spends being relatively down to earth with Jaime and his family and all that, when they like sh- put out the whole things of like, yeah, Batman's a thing, Superman's a thing. Ted Cord as Blue Beetle is a thing. And it does make like, you double take, right? Yeah, yeah. It, for a sec, like every time that startup was like, how do you, oh wait, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, seeing uh, Rudy freak out over being in Ted Cord's place was pretty awesome. Yeah, I like that a lot. Nana's amazing. Oh yeah, Nana's great. Man, I'm just like. Honestly, Down with the imperialists, she said. Yeah, and I'm just like, who are you? And I hate the fucking tease that the movie did during the last act, too, where it's just like, it's like, oh, Jaime, one day we need to sit you down and talk to you more about your Nana's upbringing. It's like, no, no, I need these answers now. (laughs) I already liked Nana a lot, but I am significantly more interested in her character. I need more information about her now. I did look it up. At least a little bit. It seems like she's not any other no, DC she's, character. No, she's nobody from the comics. It's probably just she was, like, some kind of revolutionary or something. Yeah. Which is just... nothing to sneeze at from a real-world perspective. No, like... it's not! And that was the thing that was pissing me off, too. And Because it's, it's like, they mentioned that, too. And, and I think Jaime actually goes, like, wait, revolution? It's like, yeah! Yeah! I'm on the same boat as you, my man! <laughs> I want to know more about that, too! <laughs> like... 70-plus-year-old woman who knows how to handle a freaking minigun. <laughs> That's what makes it great. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's amazing, but I'm just like, no, I need to... 
I care about these characters, but I am significantly more interested in your story now. <laughs> yeah. His mom is fine. She exists. And also, she does get a cool moment at the end where she tells Jaime and the Scarab to both go kick some ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. And honestly, there was something oddly sweet about that, because she's like, I know you can hear me, even though like the Scarab has no way of communicating with her. But it is one of those things where it's something oddly, even with that, because it's like she's effectively talking to a wall that won't respond to her. It was still yeah. like oddly sweet. I hate that Jenny's a love interest. I hate it so much. I, yeah. It's so unnecessary. Yeah, well, it's unfortunate because I feel like the only good thing she had going for her is, like you said, how she is clearly there to be the in into Cord Enterprises so that the movie can get rolling. Yeah. And so they have an ally who's cord aligned so that way they can actually, you know, get into the the Blue Beetle lair, essentially, and find out all this history. Mm-hmm. Which they wouldn't be able to do from Victoria. Yeah. But Jenny's alright, but she's a... And I say this with the benefit of somebody who knows how it goes in the comics and also knows that Ted doesn't have a daughter. Mm-hmm. She is pretty much a walking movie enabler slash love interest, and that's a little frustrating. Yeah, because... I don't think her actress, per se, does a bad job in anything, but that's clearly, like, I feel like that was far as the thought process went with her character concept. Right. I mean, she does get to, she does get to knock uh, Victoria Cord's helicopter out of the sky, I guess. Yes, she, with with some weird gum. With some weird-ass gum. Also, Ted's gadgets are amazing! (laughs) The man's got a power glove force field generator! No, yeah, and I think we both saw that, it's just like, that's a fucking power glove. (laughs) The man has an airship where one of its weapons just shoots out gas, and it's called Bug Fart, and he can enable that while the speakers play Motley Crue Kickstart My Heart. What a yeah. goober. What a fucking <laughs> square. What an absolute fucking idiot. What a doofus Ted Cord is. Yes. He, I'm, I love him. <laughs> yeah, no, that was fun. And a lot of people die in this. Yeah, oh god, no, we actually Especially see- at the end. No, we see, and what's funny about that is that, well, not funny per se, but, like, kind of unexpected, is that one of the people that die is a background character, but they die because of our heroes. I'm talking about the guy who gets impaled by the fucking... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah! Yeah, he gets impaled by the bug ship, or whatever No, and Nana shoots a bunch of guys! Yeah, she does. (laughs) And, you know, when when it's... it's but it's the hero supporting cast doing it. Weirdly enough, I don't really care, both because they're faceless tools of the man and also because it's pretty much self-defense. Mm-hmm. And also they killed the dad already, so fuck him. Yeah, for real. Yeah, no, okay. The fucking scene where Kord's forces invade the Reyes house looking for Jaime is mm-hmm. genuinely hard to watch, in a, and I mean that in a good way, in the... It hits hard because there's some direct parallels here. Right. <laughs> but it's fucking stressful. Yeah, yeah, it is. So that was something. Yeah, indeed. And God, just everybody's sorrow once Alberto dies. Oh, yeah. And Nana, Nana, Nana being awesome, holding things together, going, there's a time to cry and there's a time to act. It's like, right now it's time to act. And then at the end, oh, and then at the end they cry. Yeah, at the end it's like, okay, now Aww. it's time to cry. And they all just, like, let it out completely. God damn. Yeah, and it's like, and it's one of those things where it's like, you for, because of everything that's happened, it makes you forget that these people have been holding it in for this long to save Jaime and get everyone out and stop Victoria and all that, so. Yeah, they could have never done that moment and it would have been 
fine, and I probably wouldn't have noticed until... Mm. Well, I probably wouldn't have noticed, but, you know... I'm glad they put that in, is the point. Yeah. I'm glad that they put that moment in there. Moderately biased, because presence of Cypress Hill, but I did enjoy the final fight a good bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, like, the greatest final fight ever, but the use of I Ain't Going Down Like That by Cypress Hill Mm. definitely adds a lot. Especially because it's also, like, at that point, Jaime is fully, like, embracing what he is, and also is, I think, at that point, like, in full badass mode. Especially yeah. when it's like he just shouts out, Hey, cabrones! And then the music starts playing. It's like, alright, we're about to see some Ooh. shit fucked up. <laughs> Basically makes a fucking hammer. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just... And then when it, he fights Carapax and he makes a fucking giant buster sword. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, we got him! Oh, nope, this is actually harder than I thought. Yeah, no, it's like when the buster sword came out, I was just like, you fucking nerd. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Okay, you know something? So, obviously, Jaime doesn't kill Carapax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jaime maybe kills some mooks, I'm not really 100% sure. Yeah. However, in a in a probably hypocritical but ironic parallel to Man of Steel, mm-hmm. if Jaime had snapped Victoria Cord's neck, I would have cheered. <laughs> yeah, honestly. And I know what you're thinking. You made such a fuss about Superman doing that in Man of Steel. Yeah, well, A, that's Superman. B, Zod actually had some nuance and some almost humanity to his character mm-hmm. that made his loss actually kind of tragic. And also the fact that, you know, it was completely avoidable in that situation. Victoria Cord, as a villain and a person, sucks so fucking bad because she's so mundane and frustrating in her cruelty and short-sightedness that you just want someone to put her out of everyone else's misery. Part of my brain was kind of going and putting the scenes together at the end after um, Jaime has finished fighting Carapax. It's just like, my brain was going, it's like, you know what? You're right. I can't kill you. You, on the other hand... Yeah. It's like, all aboard. No, actually, you know what? I enjoyed what they did with the whole you can't kill him thing at the end. We're not killers. I thought it was just going to be a thing of like, no, you told us earlier that we're not killers. And I know that's not in you. It was like, oh, God. Instead, um, the Scarab shows Jaime Carapax's past and everything that happened to him and how he literally watched his mother get incinerated and everything that happened up to that point. It's just like, you know what? That's a good way of doing that. No, that was nice. That was nice, and it makes it as like, okay, you know what? Not killing him, a lot more justifiable, because at least it shows at that point, it's like, no, it's not just a villain for the sake of it. He has also gone through literally the same pain that you're feeling right now. It's just that someone unfortunately took it, and you see, not only that, because of that pain, someone was easily able to take advantage of him as well in in those moments. Yeah. So it's like, all right, I enjoy that. And then, and then, although I did also, to that extent too, enjoy the little fake out that the movie gives. It's like, do you understand now? Ah! Puts the sword, or like, puts the blade down. I was like, oh, fuck, he killed him. <laughs> it's like, damn. <laughs> All right. It's a, just cuts the next scene and it's like, oh, it's in the ground next to him? Ah, uh, well, you know what? That was a good fake out. I'll, I'll give yeah. points for that. <laughs> it's the whole thing of like, Oh, see, you can't kill him. He's like, yes, I can. <laughs> I'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Also, it's really unfortunate that De La Cruz had to die. Hmm. I kind of wish he had lived. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) But I'm also... That was another one of those things where I saw it coming, but in this case, I was very glad when it happened, because the the fact that Cord kept calling him Sanchez the whole time, despite him saying that's not his name, I was like, it's coming. There's gonna come a point. Yeah. There's gonna be a point where he's gonna get sick of her misnaming him on purpose, because at this point, it's on fucking purpose. Yeah, I was just like, okay, do you turn into somebody? Like, are you somebody important? Dies. It's like, oh, never mind. But I'm glad you did what you I'll did, I'll be though. okay. Dies yeah, immediately. It's like, dies very violently. <laughs> this is a violent movie. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. And then, and then, okay, you know what, actually, uh, another reason I'm not a big fan of Jenny as a love interest is because it leads to the one joke at the end where it's one of those jokes where it's not as bad because it's not said out loud, so you don't have to sit there with the awkward embarrassment. But when yeah. the scarab goes, I'm detecting an abnormal rush of blood to your mid-region, it's like, shut the fuck up! These jokes <laughs> are never fucking funny! <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, yes, we know, she's hot. We get it, she's hot, he's got a boner. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Funny How joke. fucking funny. Funny joke. Haven't heard that one a thousand fucking times. Mm. But no, that the ending was also great. I feel mm. like maybe they could have stood to have a little bit more of the neighbor involvement in the movie. Mm-hmm. Instead of just at the end, like maybe have some of them try to do something when the cords are wrecking the Reyes house. Right. Instead of just standing there. <laughs> but it probably would have weighed the movie down and slowed it down a bit more, so I get it. Yeah. And, uh, oh, you know what, um, this now seems a good time to talk about the post-credit scene. Okay. Well, the mid-credit, at least, because the post-credit, I don't get. Yeah, I don't get it either. It is, it, it, the, the, the post-credit scene is apparently just some clips from a show called El Chapel in Colorado, which, never heard of. However, the bits that I saw seemed delightfully wacky, so... Also, now I kind of want to. I I did a little googling about what Maria Della Barrio is, and now I kind of want to watch that. Maria, what was it? The thing, the thing where they keep comparing Jaime to Maria de Della Barrio, but saying that she's the rich meal ticket and he's the poor trash. <laughs> oh right, <laughs> that was good. I like the bit when they're all having it, when they're all trying to figure out what to do about Jaime being a superhero, and then they all start talking about this TV show and completely forget about it. <laughs> I like that a lot. That seems yeah. real. Oh, yeah. But the mid-credit scene. Okay, so I spent a good chunk of this movie just internally going, all right, yeah, this is a good time. Yeah, I'm mm. having fun. I like this. All right. And then the mid-credit scene, because they make a whole thing about Ted Cord having disappeared, and he's probably dead. And while I was a little bit skeptical, I also figured, well, Ted did spend a good chunk of the time that Jaime was Blue Beetle being dead, so... Mm-hmm. I believe it. And then right. at the end, his computer activates in his lair and a me- video message comes through. We don't see anybody playing him, but it's also an, it's also got audio. And it's like, I need somebody to get a message to my daughter. Tell her her father's alive. Tell Jenny Cord, Ted Cord is alive. And my exact reaction, Greg can attest this, was to lean back in my seat, clap once, and go, Hot damn, Ted's alive! <laughs> Makes us one step closer to getting Booster Gold on screen. <laughs> I mean, we're already getting a TV show. I, he, if, if Ted's not in there, I'm going to be kind of upset. Mm-hmm. That's like the perfect connection. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, ah, ah, I feel bad getting, I feel bad that, I li- like I said, I like Jaime's Blue Beetle. I, I yeah. like him a lot. 
Yeah. But the fact that I, the thing that got me most excited was revealing that Ted was alive. <laughs> Makes me feel a little bit guilty, but Ted's just such a goober. Yeah, no, he's a very powerful dumbass. Not even powerful, just smart. Mm-hmm. Guy Gardner called him smarter than Batman. That's a of course, it's Guy Gardner. He hates Batman, and he's also not the greatest judge of character because he's also an asshole. But mm, fair. He liked Ted, so. <laughs> Wait a minute. Shit, that's not the story endorsement I thought it was. <laughs> okay. Also, you know what? Minor quibble. The the scene when the Scarab first starts transforming him and generating the armor. Hmm. I liked it better in the trailer where it was played for horror. Hmm. I feel like it was a little too comedic leaning in the movie itself because, like, the visuals are terrifying. I I got that vibe from the from like the music that was playing in the first half of it because like the first half of it has I don't remember what exactly it was, but it was definitely a lot more comedic music before it switched over to the actual movie score. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate because the scene consists of the man, as far as you can tell, literally being burned to death while screaming in pain. Right? It's actually pretty horrifying, and I feel like if they had let that moment sit, it might have worked out a little bit better, but that's yeah. that's a really minor thing, but it stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Also, like, I don't just dislike Jenny because—God, I hate, I hate how much I'm going on about this. It's not just because of the fact that she feels kind of just like a movie-enabled slash thing. Also, the fact that she kind of destroyed Jaime along at the start there, mm. where it's like— yeah, come to Cord Tower, I'll see if I can get you a job. Apparently completely blew that off to steal the Scarab, which I get is important. Yeah. But then you just fucking use him to steal the evidence. Don't tell him what it is. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, no. I get I get priorities and what have you, but god damn, that was not cool. Fair. And it kinda soured me on her for most of the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. At least until she at least until she starts talking about uh, her family history with Jaime when they're at when they're at uh, her old place. Hmm. Nothing happened. Her mom died. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of funny because just like, <laughs> especially Rudy basically coming is like, oh, I'm interrupting right now. <laughs> it's like, yep. all right, Rudy's a real one just for that. It's already too late, but he didn't joke about it. He wasn't even like trying to be an asshole. He just he was straight up like legitimately was like. Oh shit, I came in at a bad time. I am genuinely sorry. It's like, all right, yeah. that's a real one right there. <laughs> you might want to sit down for this. There's nowhere to sit. Got anything else? Uh, go see the movie. <laughs> yeah, go see it. Yeah, for real. Oh, gosh, you know, I just realized I never actually bothered to look up what was coming out next week. Well, for me, it's going to be, time permitting, the Gran Turismo movie. That's right, this is that week. Because it got delayed. Because <laughs> it got delayed. Because like Sony fucking... decided we don't have actors to promote it. What do we do? Push it back two weeks. Yeah. Why? It... I don't goddamn know. To make Cody's life more fucking miserable, I suppose. Yeah, it's uh, it got pushed back t- two weeks. Or got delayed, like the fucking video games that it's based on. <laughs> Hate it. Hmm. Everything about it. Yeah, I... I guess it might just have to be Gran Turismo. Yeah, and showtimes are not encouraging. <laughs> oh god, you're right. Why are there so few showtimes? What the fuck is this? And their times are the worst part. 
6 p.m., 9... We might have to see this separately. That's the worst part. Yeah, I think that's what's gonna have to happen. Oh, fuck. Okay, in that case, I I might see literally anything else. <laughs> I encourage I might you. review Scott Pilgrim. I encourage you to. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Especially since this movie's 2 hours 15. <laughs> Fucking A! Yeah, I encourage you to literally see anything else. I'm going to see... I am compelled to see this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I could see that. Mm. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TikTok, whatever you want to do. Also, I'm going to make the same joke that I made on a Twitter post. Uh, our subscriber count has been at a legendary internet funny number for a bit there. It'd be a real shame if somebody were to, you know, subscribe, or if a bunch of people were to subscribe, and that number were to go up, and it suddenly wasn't the funny number anymore. That would be nice. be a real shame. Hmm. That would not be nice, rather. Damn it! <laughs> I mean, it's currently real nice, but... Hmm. Anyways, the point is, this has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And I'm really tired. We'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.